Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? I'm Justin Russo. I'm Farbaud Esnashari. What's what am I doing? Oh Lord, this is bad. Farbaud, we haven't done this in like what 10, 10 11 days, so we're we're kind of rusty. But welcome back, everybody, to Clip and Roll. Um, obviously on the Blue Wire Network. The last time we talked was last year, and I promised myself I wouldn't make that joke, but I had to do it because Farbaud ruined it the last time we were on the podcast. Where we left off, they were the Clippers, being they were four and one. Since then, they've gone three and three. And Farbod, out of all the six games, you know, that they, they lost to Utah, they won at Phoenix, they lost to the Spurs, they beat Golden State, then lost to Golden State, and they beat the Bulls. Out of those six games, obviously they haven't won any of them back to back or lost any back to back. They've alternated wins and losses. How do you feel after the last 11, 12 days with the team? Are you fine with them? You worried? You just like whatever? Um it's funny because like at the start of the season, I didn't feel good about them. Like before the season started, start of the season, I was like, oh man, they might struggle in those, you know, first games against the Lakers and Dallas and uh, Denver and Utah and stuff. Right. And then when they beat the Lakers and uh, Denver, I thought like, okay, so you know what? They're better than I thought they would be. And then for some reason, like they started doing poorly, um, you know, against the teams I thought they would do good against. Um, And then it became a thing where I'm like, okay, so they are exactly where I thought they were going to be. So I still can't, it's, it's so hard to gauge where this team is honestly to me because they're just so all over the place. It's like, let's beat the best team, lose to the worst team. Let's hit a million threes. Let's get blown out by 50 points. Let's blow a 30-point lead. Let's recover from a 20-point lead. Let, like, there's there is no happy medium with the team. It's really interesting because they lose to Utah in a game they were behind by 20 twice. And they come back in that game, and they give themselves a chance to win that game late. And they lose by six. And Phoenix, they're up by what, like 31 or something? And then they basically give it all away and they pull that game out at the end. They're facing the Spurs. They fall behind again. I believe they were behind by 21 in that game and they stormed all the way back to give themselves a chance. They almost won that game. Um, They're then up by quite a bit in Golden State. Let the the rope slip, but then regain control of that with a 22 to 6 run and win that game. And then the second game against Golden State, they're up by like 22 with three minutes to go in the third, and they blow that game and lose by 10. And then against the Bulls, they're down by like 12 or something, and they come back and win that game in a pure shootout. And it's like, whether they're down or up, you just know those games are going to be tight. And I guess in a way, it makes the games entertaining. Like you know what to expect, and then you also don't know what to expect because when they get a big lead, you're worried it's going to go away. And when they get down by a big margin, you're kind of confident they're going to get back into the game. It's it's very it's a very wonky start to the 2021 season or year for them. And you know they went three and three in in the last time in the time since we've sp- last spoken. 
Um, they're seven and four. They're still really good. And they're working out a lot of their kinks. The biggest news is they got Marcus Morris senior back. I guess that would be the biggest news, right? Yeah. And I mean, and that and they adjusted the bench lineup. Yeah. So they, yes, in the Chicago game, which was the game that they played on Sunday, they adjusted the bench lineup. Ty Lue post game on Sunday said on Saturday night, he went to the three guards off the bench, which were Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and Lou Williams. And in doing so, he told them the plans going forward, which is post game. He said they gave the trio a 10 game sample size. Like they wanted to get at least 10 games of data to look at with them. And he said the numbers did not come back good. And they were not. They were not good numbers. Um, the three guard bench lineup was just awful. Um, so what they did is they ended up basically benching Reggie Jackson, which it wasn't all his fault for the lineup right off the bat. Reggie was fine. He wasn't awful. It was just as one of those moves that Ty just made. He said Reggie took it well. Um, and then the other thing is they were not going to play Luke Kennard and Lou Williams that much together. They wanted to split their time with the starters so that they would, all, in his words, always have four defenders on the floor. And I do believe even though Chicago scored 127 points and shot like 61% from the field, that change also probably would help them win that game. Yeah, I mean, it was... I don't know. It was just one of those things where it was like you had three bad defenders, but three high offensive players, but they just couldn't seem to play together. Like Lou and Reggie sometimes could play together. Like we saw that in the regular season, but then Lou, Reggie and Luke became much more difficult. And it was just like, you wanted to say your gut reaction was to say Lou has been bad, but then you, you looked at all the data and it was like, Lou's got, you know, the least amount of minutes he's ever played and the least amount of attempts he's played since 2006. And then it's like, okay, so is he playing bad or is he just not really being used? Right. So that, that was where the kind of that, that was where the confusion started and began. It's like, are they just not fitting or are they not playing well? So, yeah. So Lou Williams, I actually documented this the other day before like Ty made the change. Lou Williams had like the lowest usage rate since his sophomore season in the NBA, I believe. And basically it's because a, he wasn't turning the ball over. So like turnovers go into usage and he just wasn't turning the ball over. And then like uh, field goal attempts, he wasn't shooting a lot. So he saw the ball in his hands quite a bit, but as he said, post game after Chicago was, he was more of a facilitator and Ty Lue went to him and said, you know, scrap that we're just going to have you be you just be yourself be who you've been and it'll be fine and lou williams according to ty lou said told him explicitly and this was the direct quote ty lou gave which was quote say less and then lou williams goes out in my opinion has his best game of the season yeah i mean it's uh it was really just a matter i think somebody said i don't remember where i read it but it was a matter of like trying to fit a square into a circle. And that's kind of, I think that was the perfect analogy for what was happening with Lou. Yeah. I mean, he gets back to getting time with the starters. Luke Kennard gets time with the starters. I think Luke Kennard plays really well with the starters, like because of his spacing and his ability to attack closeouts and all that stuff. So, I mean, you go through all these things and I think the Clippers, and this is what I give Ty Lue credit for um, above all else. He's willing to, try things and if they don't work over a sample size he's just like you know what we're just going to move on there's no feeling 
it's not like I feel like this is working or I think this is going to work and I'm just going to stick with it. It's okay. I tried it. The numbers say it's bad. We're going to move on kind of thing. And that's actually really refreshing. There's no feeling of intangibility. Uh, unstatable, sir? Yes, unstatable. There's no feeling of being unstatable. <sighs> God, I'm glad that word doesn't exist in my lexicon anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides the bench stuff, was there any other big takeaway you have for this past, you know, six games? I mean, to me, it's that Paul George is still really freaking good. Kawhi Leonard's still really freaking good. Nick Batum apparently just wants to make every big shot that ever comes across his way. So that's the other big takeaway, right? Like Nick Batum hits every big shot. Yeah, he hasn't really missed a big shot. He hit the two big threes. Um, was it in the Golden State game? The first Golden State game, he hit the two big threes, right? Uh, I believe so. And then against Chicago, he hits the four-point play with like four minutes to go. That basically changed momentum. Like, it's it's just crazy, the stuff that he can do. I never would have thought that Nick Batum would be this important to the team, and right now he is. In the last six games, Nick Batum is averaging 12.5 points, five rebounds, two and a half assists, and a steal and a half on 51-45-93. Yeah, I think nobody would have realized when, when Marcus Morris went out and he got the bag, like everyone thought his starting like spot was secure. No one expected that while he was gone, Nick Batum would perform so well. Marcus would lose his starting spot. It's really interesting because I think that Marcus is going to get back in the starting lineup, which he absolutely should. He was very integral to them last year. Um, I guess that was the other big story, right? Is Marcus and Ty Lue had a conversation the, the, the night before or the, or pregame of him coming back. And, and he basically told Ty, look, Wherever you want to play me, I'm fine. If you need me to start, that's fine. If you want me to come off the bench, I can live with that too. You know, it's no big deal. And Ty was basically like, okay, we're going to bring you off the bench to get you back into shape. And, and you know, the starting line has still been really good. Uh, Marcus is trying to work himself back into shape. And you can tell, like, he's not, you know, he's he's not fully in rhythm. There are times where he looks a little hobbled. But that comes with time. I think he'll be fine. Um it's just a really interesting thing. Like the Clippers are trying to reintegrate players and, you know, work through kinks and you can't take away from them how much they're trying to figure things out right now, even while winning or losing, like the process for them is to figure it out as they go into the postseason. This is, this is on the way to doing that. Yeah. It's, it kind of at the start of the season, I thought, man, these guys have a lot of work to do in terms of figuring it out. And now I feel like they have even more work to do than I thought at the start of the season. I don't know. I don't know if the, I, I don't know if I agree with the thought that I think they have more work to do now than they did before the season. I just look at it as, as it was always going to be work. And this is just the process of doing like Tyloo keeps preaching process. And, you know, that's just how I look at it is He's trying to make everyone understand like this isn't, you know, this isn't like one day you're going to flip on the switch and everything's going to be great. It's more or less like you building this, you know, continuity and this progression towards the the finish line rather than just coming out of the gates and everything's fine. Then you find out later nothing was really fine because that's happened the last, you know, that, that kind of happened last year a little bit. And you're always going to want to try to keep getting better. And I think that's what this team's trying to do. 
The, the thing I'm most concerned with, though, although it's such, like we haven't really had anything with this new adjusted lineup other than last game, is just it's like there's only two gears for this Clipper team. One, destroy. Two, get destroyed. Those are the, those are the two gears, right? The, the Warriors game was like the only game where I was like, oh, okay, so this was a close game the whole time and nobody blew out the other team or whatever. But it's just like, it's a little worrisome from the standpoint of like, if the starters are cold, the game is done. Like there is no, there's no getting back in it. It's like the Mavs game if the starters are cold. Um, we saw, I mean, we saw the bench kind of, they, they were they were the ones that, you know, picked everything up against the Suns. But just their capacity to blow leads right now. I mean, every single lead they've gotten, other than Minnesota, right? Every single lead they've gotten, they've pretty much blown to single digits, right? Uh, you might be right. I don't remember, to be exact. Because Denver got close. Lakers became like a tie game. It was just... I don't know. I don't know if Denver got within single digits, actually. No, Denver didn't get within single digits. The closest they got was 11, I believe. But that was what did that get up to like twenty six or something? Uh, I'd have to go back. I think it was like nineteen. Okay, eleven is fine. It just felt like it felt like every game they're playing with fire, and the one time it finally bit them was against the Warriors. It was like, well, that could have happened like the last three times now, but somehow uh, uh, we were to, fortunate. Not to cut you off. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry. I just want to uh, clarify. It was twenty four. They were up by twenty four. It got cut to eleven, and they they still won by double digits. Sorry. Okay, so it's close to 26. But even then, Denver is a little... I mean, they're a little shaky right now in terms of... Do you really consider that a super quality win like you consider beating the Lakers or the Suns? Um, Probably not. Although, and I want people to understand, we are recording this around 5 p.m. right now on Monday. And I'm deciding whether or not I want to put it out on Monday evening or Tuesday morning. But if you are listening to this... Just know that at 4.58 p.m. on Monday, January 11th, the Washington Wizards are up 61-29 to on the Phoenix Suns in the second quarter. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win... You'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, 
Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Oh man, I just like... There's this weird season, names. This season's just, I don't know. Every time I look at everything, it's just like determined by who's making or missing threes. That's that's it. There's nothing else. It's like either one team is blowing the, th- the three-point shots and the other team is hitting them, or one team is blowing them and the other team is hitting them at the same time, and like that determines everything and it's ball game. It's just, I don't know. For some reason, I just have less fun this season than I've ever had in like 10 years working in the league. Really? Yeah, this is the least exciting. I think I've I have a very like how Greg Popovich said about the league where it's just not beautiful anymore and everyone's just running the same stuff all the time. Like that's kind of how I feel. I mean, the the Clippers when they beat Golden State on the 6th, they only made 32% of their threes. They turned the ball over 20 times and they still won. Yeah, that was so, the only game. To some degree, I mean, you look at it like, yes, hitting threes is going to be prevalent and a lot of teams are hitting them. It's just that that's the most efficient shot in basketball outside of a wide open dunk. So the Suns game, they're one for 10 from deep and the Wizards are eight for 16 in the half. I mean, the Wizards would still be up if they made like they four would, less. They would still be up, but Bertans hit five out of six for off the bench and scored 15 points in 11 minutes. I mean, yeah, Ish Smith has plus 24. I don't mean to be talking about a Wizards Suns game on a Clippers podcast, but there's some wild numbers in this game. <laughs> oh my God. Miles, Mikhail Bridges is minus six at eight minutes, and the team is down by 30. Good. Have they ever won with both of them in yet, or have they only won with one of them out? Who? The Wizards. With Westbrook and Beal? Yeah. Have they only won with one of them sitting, or have they ever won with like both of them in? Um, they won two games. I don't even know what the record is. Do you know what the record is? I think they have two, two wins, and eight. Right? Okay, so the two wins are with Beal. Um, the two wins with Beal. Uh, they only have one win when both of them were playing together. All right, no more talking about the Wizards. Yeah, I don't know why we. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up. Um, they beat the Nets, by the way. That was the win that they had with both of them on the floor. Anyways, um, to what you're saying, those the Suns aren't going to be playing the next game. Oh, man. do you want to talk about I kind of want to talk about that for a little bit because that is a prevailing story in the league right now. Um, everyone who plays the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, we've run into a stretch. And look, I'm not saying it's the Wizards that are doing it, but it's an odd coincidence that the last like four teams 
Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Boston, Miami. The last four teams that have played the Washington Wizards the very next day have had someone on the team who played in that game get ruled out for health and safety protocols due to contact tracing. Not to mention, after they played the Chicago Bulls on December 29th, the Chicago Bulls had four players get ruled out due to contact tracing and health and safety protocols. I'm not saying it's the Washington Wizards because everything we know about COVID says it takes longer than one day for it to be detected and all this stuff. But it's oddly coincidental that it's the Washington Wizards and no one on the Wizards is out for health and safety protocols, right? You know what's funny is I just saw a tweet that said (laughs) the Wizards' defensive plan of giving COVID-19 to four straight teams is paying off as the Suns are clearly trying to avoid all contact with them. I mean, listen, you scare the crap out of enough teams, you're going to win several games. Oh, boy. I never thought I'd be talking about the Washington Wizards on here, except when the Clippers played them. But um, I guess the prevailing story right now is the Board of Governors is supposed to meet on Tuesday to discuss plans going forward about whether or not, you know, there's going to be a postponement in in the league or anything like that due to the ongoing um amount of games that are now being postponed due to health and safety protocols. I mean, the Heat Celtics game the other night got postponed. I believe a couple more have been postponed, right? Yeah. Oh, Pelicans Mavericks on Monday night is getting postponed. Um, It's just, uh, yeah, uh, Celtics Bulls on Tuesday, I almost said tomorrow, but Tuesday is getting postponed. It's not good. It's not good. Um, I don't know what their ruling is going to be. I don't think they're going to postpone the season yet. What I might, if I can just theorize real quick, I think they're going to see if they can jump to the front of the line for vaccinations. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I, uh, I think that's their goal. I, I, I know they said they didn't want to do it, but if it comes down to money and you're having games postponed, that's a money thing. Whether or not I think it's morally right, that they do it is well, they might donate a bunch of money as a result of it or something like that. Maybe donate vaccines and stuff. I don't know. Um, I think that's going to be the plan is they just get their guys and they've not forced them, but they make it mandatory that they have to take them. I mean, I guess that is forcing. Um, they make it mandatory that the players have to take them. And that's going to be a real big issue for several players based on what we saw in the bubble. Um, Dwight Howard, uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Terrence Davis. We'll see. Um, I don't know. Obviously, that's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe we'll be back tomorrow to podcast about that, whatever the decision is. I don't know. We'll have to see. If, if it's the postponement of the season, we'll absolutely be back tomorrow to talk about that. But um, I don't think they're going to postpone the season yet. But if it gets any worse, man, might be where we're heading. If the Lakers or the Clippers start, like, I feel like if the Lakers, Clippers, or Bucks. Some if something like that happens, because right now the biggest name is what Jason Tatum. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, and then I think if more big names happen, I think that's when they're gonna take it seriously. Well, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. He wasn't the biggest name. Durant was the biggest name, and then Tatum. No, but Tatum actually got COVID. Oh, did Tatum actually get it? Okay. Yeah, Durant. Durant just had to do the contact tracing. So like if if more big names actually get it, I I feel like that's that's going to be the straw that breaks it because they're just going to be well, we'll just play on until they come back. Yeah, because once you get the start, which is unfair, by the way, let me just say that because they're basically saying there's, you know, different subsections of players and 
whether or not I find that unfair is re- is not of any consequence because that's just how it is. I mean, there's it's a star driven league, right or wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, it is what it is, and we're gonna see the board of governors meeting on Tuesday. See what they say. Uh, it's gonna be rather speaking, interesting. Speaking of unfair, I think the uh, the slander that gets thrown towards Paul George is very stupid this season. Uh yeah, it's like, like every anytime he does anything, the response from the mainstream, which I'm assuming is because Laker fans hate him, and it's like automatic engagement to get their engagement. So everybody just tries to pile on him so they could get the Laker fan engagement. So it's like anytime he does anything, the response is we'll do it in the playoffs or something like that, right? And it's like you realize that statement applies to everybody, like. That that statement applies to almost everyone in the league. That's not the Warriors, the Raptors, or the Lakers. Like you could apply that to everyone on the Bucks. You could apply that to Devin Booker, who's calling him soft, but Devin Booker's never been in the playoffs. Like there's just there's so many people you could apply that to. Where I'm like, you guys just need to stop trying to be like slandering just for the sake of slandering because you want Twitter clout. Uh, it's actually one of the things that drives me crazy, not just specific to Paul George, but just specific to Twitter in general is just, I hate how everything became memes and, uh, just jokes and like the discourse went to die. Um, which I mean, it's fine to joke around and do memes. Like I'm not saying don't have fun, but like when you're trying to actually have basketball discourse and it devolves into just you know, a hot takey first take, you know, uh, whatever the hell first, what is it? First things first on FS one, whatever the hell it's called. Um, like it just doesn't do any, it does, it does the game a great disservice. Like the people who have the loudest platform on Twitter. So like the Kendrick Perkins, the Nick Wrights, like those kinds of people, they're doing nothing to further the game of basketball. They're just trying to further themselves. Um, which, which incidentally enough, Draymond Green talked about after post game the other night. Did you actually see that video, by the way, the Draymond video? Yeah, it's pretty great. And then I saw ESPN was talking about it and they're like, do you truly believe that? And like, they're analyzing it. I'm like, dude, shut up. Like he said nothing wrong. I mean, everything he said was super accurate. Yeah. Um, so for those who didn't see it. Uh, Draymond, and I'm going to cuss right now, so I'm not going to bleep it out. I'm just going to say what he said in this quote. He, he's talking about the online basketball punditry, according to Anthony Slater, uh, in the, in this clip, here's a direct quote that he says, quote, in order to learn, you have to understand what you don't know. Most people don't understand that they don't know shit. So they're just fucked. And that is one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. And I cannot disagree with them. It's not at all wrong to say you don't know something. And yeah, most people just don't know shit. So I'm one of them. I don't know shit. I just do this. So it doesn't make me any different. It's just, uh, it's just, I just hate the hot takiness that has happened. Um, 
that is like just going around. like Paul George is averaging 25 points, six rebounds, five assists, a steal and a half per game on a 67.2 true shooting percentage. If you're wondering what that's like in field goal, three point free throw, it's 50, 51, 92. So he's having a solid start to the season through his first 10 games, 11 games for the team. Uh, this is the closest I've seen to him in a Clippers uniform to where he was with OKC two years ago. Fair, fair foul. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the one thing I'm a little concerned with, with him and just with everybody, because, you know, I was looking at the differences between last year and this year. Obviously last year, I mean, this year they have better spacing, better shooting, uh, but their rebounding numbers are so bad and their second chance points numbers are so bad. And last year they were number one. And then their uh, ability to get to the free throw line has dropped to like 28th. And they were number one in that for the last two years straight pre and post Kawhi. So I'm a little like even against the Bulls, like Kawhi had zero free throws um, where it's like, okay, so what are we, what are we doing wrong here? Where, cause that's, that's the ultimate way to steady the course. If, if you're blowing a 20 point lead is, you know, free throws, chill out, get to the line, stop shooting jumpers. So that's that's something I'm very very you know very concerned with is their inability to convert to the line. Fortunately, like Lou and PG finally started doing it last game, but that's something I, I need to see PG do more. Um. Well, one of the reasons they're not getting the line as much is because Montresero uh, got to the line a ton because he was not a good free throw shooter. Teams would just try to foul him when he was rolling to the rim. Um, instead, the Clippers have replaced him with a guy like Ibaka, who's more of a pick and popper. He can't roll, but he's more of a pick and popper. Um, Zubats, I believe, is getting to the line more than anybody else on the team, which is not shocking because he's a pick and roll guy himself. So um, I think the free throws are going to come when they're more uh, familiar with the system and more prevalent to driving. I think the thing that needs to be talked about too, especially when even we're going to discuss driving, for instance, here's what I'll say. According to second spectrums, uh, tracking data, the Clippers are averaging 41.7 drives per game, which comes out actually as the sixth fewest amount of drives per game in the NBA. Oddly enough, the Blazers, Nuggets, and Lakers are the bottom three teams. The Bucks are actually the fourth fewest. So it's kind of interesting. Um, the thing that does need to be talked about when we talk about stuff like this, though, is the pace of the Clippers. The Clippers' pace right now is 97.77. That comes in as 27th. I believe they entered yesterday, uh, Sunday's game against the Bulls, as 29th in pace. So they're not really pushing the ball. They're the top half-court offense in the NBA. Um, they are driving mostly to drive and kick. And it's working brilliantly, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, would I like to see them get to the free throw line more? Yes. I also think they're going to start getting there as the year goes on. Um, when Kawhi and PG are just going to be like, all right. Uh, I feel like PG has actually been really good at driving this year. So, um, But Kawhi is going to start getting to the free throw line more. Uh, we'll probably see Marcus Morris get to the line if he starts to drive. It's just a really interesting, like Lou Williams as well. You gotta remember that like the Lou Williams factor of him being a facilitator for the first 10 games is another thing. And then he got to the free throw line on Sunday when he became more of a scorer. So that's something else that'll bump the free throw rate up. I'm not really worried about stuff like the free throw rate. Uh, it's easy ways to get points. And I believe they're the best free throw shooting team in the league, right? Yeah. Which is actually weird to like think about. They're shooting 84% from the line. 
I mean, they have no bad free throw shooters now. Who's their worst free throw shooter? Is it Zubats? Maybe, and he's like 70-something. Yeah, I actually think Zubats might, like, not just this season, but I'm, like, looking at, like, who's the guy that you would want at the free throw line least on the team. I, I mean, it'd probably be Zubats, and he's uh, he's at 79% for the season. Sergi Bach is at 76.5, although he's not really taking free throws either. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, yeah, right now, damn, I'm actually looking at the numbers. Paul George, 92%. Kawhi, 85.5. Batum, almost 90 Luke Kennard, 89. Patrick Beverly's at 82, which is a little high for him. Morris has made all of his free throws. Zubat's 79. Lou Williams is only at 78%, by the way, which is interesting. But, you know, small sample sizes. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they jack the free throw rate up. I think it's going to come with more drives, especially from Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I love the offense so far. Is there anything about the offense that you don't like besides just, like, not getting to the free throw line as much? Just the overabundance of jumpers sometimes. It wins games, though. Yeah, but it, it also keeps losing games for them, too. I yeah, think the difference the difference everybody forgets is, like, everyone likes to use the Warriors as, like, oh, see, they prove winning jumpers wins championships or can win championships. So it's, like, they had, like, two of the greatest three-point shooters, arguably, like, the two greatest three-point shooters of all time. Like, that's why... That's why it worked. And that's why it didn't work when you had Harrison Barnes in the corner three against Cleveland missing every corner three. And then they had to replace him with one of the greatest shooters of all time again in Kevin Durant. Like that, 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 to me, that only works when you have like supreme, supreme all time clientele and jump shooting. I, I just, I'm not a fan of that. that, that honestly, that was why I, particularly enjoyed and this will probably sound blasphemous to the viewers I enjoyed how the Lakers played basketball last season just because it was like they knew how to they knew how to force their way to get something if the jumpers weren't falling like AD and Braun always figured out a way to get to the line or get an easy percentage shot because To me, it's like I saw us miss way too many wide-open threes in the bubble, especially in Game 7. I saw us miss way too many wide-open threes against Houston in 2015, and it's like that's what's going to happen. Like Marcus Morris isn't Clay Thompson, right? Like Kawhi isn't Steph Curry. Like unless you're one of those guys, like an all-time three-point shooter, like I just don't like that strategy come playoff time. So I'm looking through the numbers here. Kawhi Leonard is basically averaging as many drives per game as he did last season. Paul George is actually up. He was at 8.3 drives per game in 30 minutes last season. He's up to 11.7 and 34.7 minutes this season. The crazy part is if you actually look at Lou, Paul George, and Kawhi last year, Lou passed on drives 34.5% of the time, Kawhi 35.3%, and Paul George 30.1%. Those three this season, Lou Williams, 40.3%, Paul George, 43.6%, Kawhi Leonard, 45.3%. They're much more willing to drive and kick this year, and I actually love that. What that also means is when it gets to the nitty-gritty time, or as we've come to love, nut-cutting time, they are going to put their head down and actually just go to the rim and try to score. Um, 
Kawhi Leonard is only turning the ball over 2.6% of the time on his drives. That's down from 5.8 last season. Lou Williams, that six and a half turnover percentage last season on drives. He's down to three this season. Um, the only one who's gone up is Paul George, who last season was 8.6%. This season is 11, uh, 11, excuse me, 11.1%. So actually Paul George can get better on drives um, is just based on data I'm seeing from this year. The other thing they're passing is really good this year. Like they're very willing passers. Um, George is making like, like 45 passes a game this year, which is way up. He was making 30 a game last year. Um, he's been their primary playmaker more so than Kawhi, right? Yeah, it feels that way. Kawhi's averaging 37 passes a game this year. Last season, he was averaging 35, so he's gone up a little bit. Um, Patrick Beverly was making 42 a game last year. He's at 38. It's because the ball's going more to Paul George in his hands. Lou Williams is only making 26 passes a game this year. He was actually at 40 last year. Uh, well, he lost Montrezl Harrell, and also the ball's going to Paul George more. Um, I kind of am interested in seeing what happens to the starting lineup when Morris goes back in, not because I think he's going to make them worse or anything. I think he's going to help. Like he's going to at worst, he's going to do the same thing that Batum has been doing with being efficient and all this stuff. But I also think Batum going to the bench is going to help the bench. It gives them another guy who can move the ball while spacing the floor and making timely cuts and being a, a real good, or at least theoretically a good, you know, wing defender. So I'm interested to see what happens. I think we actually see Marcus Morris back in the starting lineup on Wednesday against New Orleans. So what's what's your key takeaway? Because I, I to you know to kind of wrap it up, like what's your what's your key takeaway from you know the six games or whatever it's been since the last time we've been on? We still don't know who this team is, and that's fine. Uh, the only things we really know are that Kawhi and PG have been great. Um, their offense looks great. And their defense has a lot of work with a new system, with a new coaching staff, with guys coming in and out of the line. Like that's the other thing with the defense. I think we need to understand is like, I don't think their defense is as crisp because it requires communication and guys being on a string. And when you have so many guys coming in and out due to, you know, Marcus Morris had the knee soreness, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard was out for a couple games due to the mouth laceration that he suffered on Christmas. Paul George missed a game with, uh, the San Antonio game with an ankle uh, issue that he suffered in the game against Phoenix where he, where he dropped 39. Um, I think all these things lead to not having continuity on the defensive end of the floor. And on offense, it's a lot more simplistic to be able to run things. But on defense, you need guys on a string. And I think the the biggest takeaway I have is we don't know who they are, but they also have a lot of improvement to make and a lot of potential to have on the defensive end. And I don't think their offense is smoke and mirrors. I think it's, it, it is sustainable. Maybe not to the tune of them knocking down like a, you know, 43% or threes or whatever they're making, but they have a lot of really good shooters that could get them to 40% for the season. So it might not be that outlandish. Yeah. I think my, my takeaway is they're different. They're not complete. And the bench needs the, the bench needs serious fine tuning. Doesn't it kind of actually make you hopeful, though, that they're seven and four and their bench has been that bad? I guess, but it's like, I don't know. I just 
it just bums me out that it was like it was so history repeat itself we're like let's beat the good teams and then lose to the ones that we thought were going to be easy on the schedule i understand that aspect um but it's just one of those things where I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm very optimistic with this team, more so than I thought I would actually be. I'm I'm very optimistic with this team. Uh, it's going to be just interesting to watch the season unfold. So I, like I did before the season, I've been pe- preaching patience to people. Just be patient and just wait and see what happens. So, you know, just stay patient, everyone. We'll see what happens. What's you your uh, What's your uh, hot take of the week? I don't know. That's a. I had. I thought of one the other day, and I don't know what mine is anymore. Yeah, I, I kind of was in the same. I'm trying to think of like what my actual hot take would be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, my hot take the last time we talked, my hot take was that I I thought the Buffalo Bills were going to win the AFC, and at least they won their first playoff game to not make me look like a true idiot, right? Yeah, I said I wasn't sure if Steph was going to be top five. How's that looking out for you? I mean, still early. It is still early. The Clippers did a great job on him the first game. Second game, they just lost him a little bit in the end of the third, and that started everything. It was it was it was the lineup with the bench. Yeah, that that lost. Oh, I know. I broke down that video, and I wish I could have broke that video. To be honest, uh, I mean, okay, if you were to have a top five, though, like who is it? For this season? Mm-hmm. Right now. Uh, like, Jokic is playing like he's insane. Um, so, let's see. Like, Jokic... This is not an order. I don't want people to think, like, this is an order or anything. Um, like, Jokic, PG, LeBron. Am I... I'm missing several people, I think, probably, right? Giannis? I mean, has he been like best player? Like, I mean, he's he's still really freaking good. So probably Giannis. KD, KD's in there. KD's been unreal. That's pretty crazy that the Thunder have a better record than them. A little bit, but like you look at KD, seven games. Giannis is still averaging 27, 10, and 5. In Very 31 quietly. minutes. In 31 minutes, too. Very quietly. Jesus. That man's insane. Um, Katie's averaging 29, almost eight rebounds, almost five assists on 52, 42, 87. It's like he never left. Oh, you know who else would probably... I, let me say this. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown each have a freaking case for a top five spot just based on the start of the season. Um, what's my hot take of the week? I'll say, um, oh, I, I know what it is. Uh-oh. I mean, this might not be concurrent to you, but I'm sure it'll trigger a couple of viewers. Is I, I think, uh, there's two of them. I, I can get two of them. One of them, I think One Punch Man is kind of whack. Stay can I be honest me. with you? I, okay, yeah. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know what One Punch Man is, so. Two... I think every DC movie uh, that's come out in the last 10 years, besides like Joker or whatever, like I think they're all pretty lame. I think Aquaman's super lame. I think Shazam is super lame. I oh, no, one, Shazam was great, bro. I, I actually hated that movie. I, I was oh, embarrassed in that theater when I brought someone. 
and I have friends that worked on that and I, and I hate to say that. And like, I thought Wonder Woman was like, I thought the first Wonder Woman was like a, the definition of a seven out of 10. And the only reason everybody really liked it is because everything that they've released was so bad. It was like you had an okay movie and a sea of bad movies. So people just kind of were like, Hey, it's pretty good. That's your hot take is that DC is basically just trash. Either that or I'd say let's 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 do the One Punch Man one instead because everyone really loves One Punch Man. Okay, um, I've been so my hot take is I've been watching HBO Max dropped all like the Batman content, and yeah. they've I've been watching through Batman the animated series, um, which I used to watch as when I was a kid, so it's really nice and nostalgic for me. My hot take is Bruce Wayne was trash. Like you mean the literal or Kevin Conroy. No, like the the character, like in in the anime, like Bruce Wayne's literal trash. Like just real scummy trash. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Remember. I have to rewatch that show. He's he's just trash. Like it's all like. For instance, okay, he beats up Mister Freeze. Because Mr. Freeze is trying to get retribution for someone trying to that tried to kill his wife. Sounds about right. He's trash. He 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 literally just beats up people because he has like, you know what? I don't want to go on a Batman rant. I'm sorry, but he just beats up people because he has nothing better to do at night. Also, let me just say this. Two things. Number one, what does the Gotham Police Department even do? I'm not sure. I'm not even sure they know what they do. Number two, why would anyone still live in Gotham? It sounds like the literal worst place to live. The aristocrats are insane and all the poor people get like crapped on. And then you have this guy flying around beating up clowns and people that have the air conditioner turned too low. For for sport, he does it for sport because he's sick. And on top of that, there's always something bad happening in Gotham. Why does no one leave? I mean, same. It's like it's like why do people always stay when there's like hurricanes in their area? No, this is different. This is different because if someone was trying to rob you every week. That's a little different than like a hurricane coming across once a year. That's fair. And I'm not saying it's the P it's like not a victim's fault or anything. It's just like Gotham just sounds like the literal worst place to live. Like people willingly move there. It just sounds awful. You have clowns. You have some guy who has birds. Another guy who's clay who can mold himself into anything. He's a weird character. He doesn't Clayface? fit into the yeah. I don't think him or Killer Croc really fit into like a lot of the mold of Batman villains. They're placeholders. That's what, they're just placeholders for the big stuff. Like Scarecrow, Scarecrow's legitimately insane. And but which brings me to my final point about Gotham. Okay, Arkham Asylum. Do they just not lock doors? No. Because these people just be getting out randomly, just real fast. Very weird. All I got is, by the way, I watched an episode last night where Penguin got beat up by eight-year-olds. 
So, you know, Gotham, make of it what you will. Anyway, you got anything for the people? Nope. Okay. Well, okay. People, he don't love you. We will be back either tomorrow to discuss whatever the um, Board of Governors meeting does. If it's nothing important, we'll see you guys next week. Everybody stay safe. Take it easy. Tell people you love them. You know, peace and love to everybody. Uh, Wash your hands, social distance, wear your mask properly. We'll see you all next week, everybody. Take it easy.